Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A grain of rice, a, a, a grain of rice, if you want to tip the scale, just remember that then. Now that small bit of a needle there. Now come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Our mission was to show, wants to show that we're no longer the whipping boys of Munster. Good morning, folks, from Delo's Irish Examiner podcasts. And unfortunately for you, myself and Marco are still wearing Delo's shoes. He's still having a little bit of R&R. He's good and he's fine and he will be back to you very shortly, hopefully next week. So uh, he sends, we, we send him best wishes again this week and he will be back on air very, very soon. So it's back to myself and Mr. Landers and we are also joined this week by the great Ken Hogan. Ken, you must have had a massive week in terms of celebrations. It takes a good man to win a county, Marco, as we know, but... It takes a great man to win two counties in the same day. So well done, first of all. And you might describe Sunday and the week that followed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose we're, we've forgotten about it now. This is this is a new week. <laughs> we're trying to settle back down and get the constitution right again. But <laughs> uh, absolutely brilliant uh, week. You know, it started very early. Um, that's on the morning because the game was actually fixed. The Camogie final was fixed for half 11, 11.30. So uh, we tried to change the uh, the date, but unfortunately, it just didn't concur with the obviously the arrangements for the Camogie board. So, uh, thankfully, my Karki Burris Sportingly agreed to bring it forward to half ten, and that was just with the hope that I'd be at least able to warm him up because I had been with the girls the whole year, and uh, it wasn't all a bit of roses either, lads, because um, we had a tough year. We lost Queeva Kennedy and kate o'mara who uh, who went teaching in dubai and then we lost Grania hawk to a cruciate ligament injury so from our point of view it was a struggle the whole year uh we had four mothers playing would you believe it absolutely fantastic women all together and uh, never missed a training session kept the show on the road because at one stage we thought we wouldn't be actually able to field in the championship so to come along and just uh throw caution to the wind and we've seen that in the last 24 hours as well and uh, to win the championship after losing three in a row, lads. Um, it was just an absolutely fantastic feeling. I'd intended going, leaving with 10 minutes to go, quarter an hour to go, but there was no going, lads, because uh, <laughs> it was down to the squeaky bum time. It went down to the to the bitter end, and uh, we prevailed by that sweet one-point win. Fantastic. And for the listeners who are probably not aware, that was with your own club, Lara, in the Junior B Camogie final last, yesterday week, basically. So that was your early start to the day uh, on last Sunday week. And after that, Ken? You didn't yeah, well, to then Michael Lindley, who would be a great Lara man, and uncle of John McIntyre's actually, he came with me uh, back to Bor. He travelled with me to the Camogie game. His grandniece, uh, Claudia McIntyre, was our captain uh, of Ireland's for his family fame now. And uh, <laughs> we, we travelled back to Bor. And uh, met Andy Smith, uh, my, 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 my trainer, and Joe and my wife. And we, I just managed to keep the car between the ditches heading to Tullamore because I was in an absolute high, obviously, after winning the Camogie. But I can tell you, I was soon brought down to earth uh, by my former Alamater, Cool Derry, because day heat was absolutely everything. And uh, we were certainly on the ropes for a long, long periods in that game. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, obviously, two defences must have been on top, Ken, because uh, following the game and, and, and what's the score and the, the scores were hard to come by and you finally get the goal later on. So it must have been just magic in the finish. Yeah, pretty similar to the Yisselis County final, the fact that backs, uh, backs tended to dominate, uh, particularly in the second half. We had an, an awful amount of wide, 16, 16 wides. And like uh, people talking, and it's an overused cliche, I suppose, about your, your, uh, you know the, the strength of your team is your bench. But we emptied the bench. We had to empty uh, the bench because... Obviously, players, uh, we carried a few injuries into the game and uh, we just uh, 
threw caution to the wind. Our substitutes played a major role in the game. They got involved in a big way in the game. Paul Quirk got a magnificent point. And uh, from our perspective, I suppose we were hoping to get that uh, draw to try and stay in, stay in the championship or go to extra time. But Dermot Short, who was now standing wing back for us, but Shorty actually towered two points down. Uh, he won possession at the end uh, with almost time up and he hit the ball in low. And uh, Sean Dolan and Stephen Quirk and the lads and Kieran Flannery, they just, it, it was on the line for, it so, seemed like ages in the square, but it popped up and uh, Stephen hit it on the volley. No better man to finish fi- finish with style. So uh, the sweetest of victories for us, an awful way for, for Kulderi uh, to be beaten. Such a great club side. But Kulderi had, on the flip side, Kulderi had done that to St. Rhinus in 2015. So uh, the tables were totally turned uh, in 2021. And I suppose it was just sweet to win that three in a row uh, with a group of players that are, are hugely committed and, and, and take their hurling very seriously. Yeah, three, three in a row, no mean achievement. And Ken, I'm not sure, I, I, I didn't see anything since, but you've won two counties in the same year, right? Which is obviously because of COVID, which is a phenomenal achievement. But Mark, I'm not sure if there's any historians out there who could tell us, has there anybody who's won two counties in the same day? <laughs> I can't think of two counties. I can think of two All Irelands in a fortnight. All right, in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, two two in the same day is just a phenomenal achievement. So unbelievable, Ken. Yeah. So, what the girls well in go back to the girls. They like to have last three county finals in a row, and that's something that's becoming prevalent now. Um, Klein last three seniors in Cork, the Glen of last three seniors, Ballancolic last three seniors back in the 40s. And there'll be a bit of encouragement there for the Glen boys to know that if they keep going and over the weekend, TJ and Cork Castellines last their second county final in a row at intermediate yeah. level, and Fabron Neils last their second senior A final in a row the week before. So it's great to see them being in the final and getting to the final and showing that they're, they're a quality team because, look, you only get to a final and keep getting back to the final unless you're good enough. But like the the message is really you have to keep going, don't you? You don't give up. Like that that medal, that cup is at the end of the line. You just don't give up. Yeah, no, we the girl that up. came in. We the girl that came into the parish. She's married into the parish, Carolyn O'Brien, and uh, she's yeah, she she's one of the mothers I was speaking about. But she actually kept the club together when things all things were going uh, falling asunder, really. And she was the person that gelled the whole thing together. And uh, only for that, I, I, I genuinely uh, feel that we wouldn't have had a team to field in the last year or two. Right. Yeah. That's brilliant, isn't it? That's fantastic, uh, Ken. That's superb. I know the last 10 minutes, exactly when the game is in the melting pot and you have your plans made, that you're going with 10 minutes to go. You just can't go. So you can't. No, you can't go. And I think in fairness to St. Rhinus and the lads, they understood that totally. Like Ewan and Martin... Uh, was down in Tullamore. Uh, we have a warm-up pitch there, and Union had everything up and running for Andy and myself when we got there. So it just it was just like clockwork, and it was with it the agreement of a lot of genuine people. And um, I, I I must say, like that's that's the beauty of the GA. Everybody understands that when you're in the trenches, yeah, you can't run away, you can't turn your back on it. You've got to stay there on your hands and knees and crawl over the line if you can. Ken, you, you, were, you were safe enough anyway with the guard there, Scott, I suppose, just in case anything <laughs> happened in the way. Oh, the high roads <laughs> and by roads of Boris of Cain, uh, we, got the, we, we went down through the country, you know, to his guests like, uh, you know, St. Rhinus would be celebrating in Banner. And funny enough, uh, we have one pub in Lurra there in Mahers and we have one in Rat Cabin, but the girls were in Brian Whelan's on the Monday <laughs> into Brian and they had actually come in uh, they all came into Brian's and they had come in for the last two years as well. And Brian said, ah, girls, you didn't lose again. And then one of the girls had the cup behind her back and she just pulled it out. And Brian actually ah, counter with delight. Never mind anybody else, you know. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. So you, you, brilliant. You got a chance to catch up on the celebrations during the week, so Ken, yeah, good week. And in general, Ken, the standard of camogie around the country is rising all the time, like we've seen with some of the senior finals here over the last couple of years. And even last night, Mark, there's breaking news that... Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah Unbelievable. Mr. 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 Davy is heading your way. Yeah, well, it, this this one seems to be confirmed now, TJ, because um, okay. I think he might have learned a little bit from the Galway game or Galway position that 
unless it's announced by the county board. You know, oh, you yes, don't have yes. it like you know. <laughs> so, Jesus, he's um he's a big pickup now for the Cockmorgie lads and Tomas Toomey and David Douglas. I would have played with him uh, back uh, with Cock Juniors and Cock Intermediates a long time ago. Tomas a fine man. He was selector with Paddy Murray as well. So there's a lot of continuity with the Camogie team, but they brought in an outside coach and none other than Davy Fitzgerald. So that's a big, it's big news for, I suppose, Cock Camogie. And I'd say the girls will be looking forward to, to dealing with him and work with him. And Davy has worked with Camogie teams, both at Club and County in the past as well. So I think he became available. So no, that wouldn't stop him going training another couple of other teams, I presume, as well. Like, but. Um, you know, I think it seems to be confirmed now that he is part of the backroom staff for the team for 2022. Big news. Yeah, good, for, good for the game and the profit. We, we, we keep the rise, but as I said, definitely has been... Is it, is it a job interview for the senior job next year, TJ, is it? Would you take him back? I don't know. I, I, I couldn't see it happening myself, <laughs> personally. Okay. Um, I, I, I think, to be fair, to Clark County Board, they have been trying to uh, do a lot of succession planning, I suppose, is what I would say. And, you know, Pat Ryan, the under-20s, he stepped aside. Now, he won two All-Irelands. Noel Furlong won the minor All-Ireland, has stepped in with Kieran Kingston at senior level. And Paddy Murray, who was with the under-16s, stroke-15s prior to that in Rebel Oak, has stepped into the minors. So I think a view there is they're trying to find a manager or, or try to build up a pool of managers going forward. So obviously... Pat Ryan would be the hot favourite, I would suspect, to take over from Keon Kingston if he wanted it. The job would be his. If not, then I'd say Noel Furlong, you know, depending obviously how Keon Kingston gets on this year. But Keon, as was in the past, uh, you know, when some success has come his way, he has seemed to, to step aside after winning the Munster final a number of years ago. He stepped aside, even though a lot of people would have felt on the ground that he had good work done and he probably should have continued on. And John Myler stepped in for two years then, and Keon has come back. So, I don't know. There, there just needs to be continuity, I suppose, TJ, is the big thing. And I think it's good to see Noel Furlong stepping up. And I don't know what that means in terms of Noel's backroom staff. How many fellows is, is he going to bring with him? Because I'm, I'm sure I saw pictures of their backroom staff at the minors, and there was anything from 12 to 15 people involved. And... I would be surprised if a number of those fellas won't be involved with the senior setup this year. So I think we have to wait and see what pans out. But as for David Fitch taking over and Cork, watch this space. Yeah, well, to be fair to, be fair to Kieran Kingston, I suppose, before we uh, say the job is available in, in next year, he had a very successful 2021 getting to an Ireland final. So maybe if he goes one better, he might be there, there, there for another while, yes. Um, Absolutely. Back it, well, look, if he's got Ireland, TJ, he'd be guaranteed. Like it, it is, has been tradition in Cork. That any outgoing winning manager is always given the first choice. It's always left to him that if he wants to continue on, he's given that option to do that. So yeah, I don't think that'll change. And Marcus, sticking with all things Cork, just for a minute before we move on to, to some of the main events, you were in the presence of one of the great Cork people on Friday. You might just touch on that for a sec. I was. I was lucky enough to uh, come across a couple of pair of tickets to go to see Roy Keane. On Friday in Kerry, and um, I must thank Peter Nolan Financial Services in Kerry for inviting me, and Owen Kelleher, his colleague, who was the man who organised it. Um, and in typical cute Kerry farm, right, your man says to me, uh, be down for half two. So being the good cockman, and I brought a couple of buddies with me, Patrick Mulcahy and Conor McNamara as well, to see him. We arrived at half two, and there was about 25 people there to find out that I text Peter. I said, Peter, I said, we're here. We'll we be along soon. I've been around four o'clock, he said. So I said, Jesus, what's the story here? So he arrived at four. We weren't sat down till five and Keen didn't arrive till six. So we were well sorted from half past two to six o'clock the time Keen arrived. <laughs> you, you, you were ready for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I see there is good money, but Keen was obviously box office as usual, yeah. Ah, oh, he was just unbelievable. Now, the raised sort of Fort Kerry Hospice, a fantastic, um, fantastic occasion and fantastic cause as well. Raised 72,000 euros. Um, and Keane's last jersey was auctioned as well, the one that he wore in the Liam Miller tribute. And uh, that was sold for 12,000 euros. And to guess the, the bidding started at uh, 515 and away up we went and some for the thought he had it for eight grand going once, going twice, and Keno stick up his hand eight and a half thousand. So he managed to go to nine. Then 
Uh, it was going twice again, and Keno stuck up his hand again to nine and a half. So I went to ten, then there was eleven, and then there was another bit of twelve. So, which was great. So that, I think that 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 would go to the charity as well. Um, but he was box office. He was brilliant, and you know, I must say, the couple of takeaways from it was um, first and foremost the elite player, and it is all about winning. He said there were the two things that I took away from it that elite players want a different standard of coaching and expectation, and it's only all about winning. He says, don't, don't make any mistake about that. He said, you know, the fellas will tell you, go enjoy yourself. And look, we all had that speech as well. Like, but the major enjoyment in anything is winning. And he just, for him, all his life, it was about winning. No matter what it was, it was always about winning for him. So, but he was... He was brilliant. The crowd loved him. Um, he, Matt Cooper interviewed him, asked him a couple of the hard questions, you know, the normal stuff, the Alex Ferguson era, the Saipan, um, you know, his younger days and stuff like that. He wouldn't have been the whitest of fellas, yeah, but he, he basically met his wife, Teresa, settled down and then realised that he was a professional footballer, I suppose, and that he had a young family to take care of and that... Um, he was probably ended up being the key person in United for a good few years. And I'd say he would he would have left it known that he was quite capable of playing on for at least two or three more years in United, but not in the role that he fulfilled in his probably best years, which was box-to-box football. His role was ultimately uh, as a sitting midfielder. And he said he had a definitely another two or three years in him, um, but just that himself and Alex Ferguson just got to a point where they just couldn't, um, probably deal with each other or get on with each other anymore. And he was really, I suppose, really disappointed with how things did end up with United and how he finished out with United. But I, I was in trial by him and I was delighted. And I'd never met the man before in my life, even though he's a cop man, but he passed right in front of me and it was a great thrill, I must say. And yeah, I've no doubt if he pulled on the shots again, he's so fit he could c- continue to play. Yeah. Um, no, I have said he's a fan. Uh, even on Sky Sports, yeah. Mac, he he's very interesting to listen to. He, he's he's on, he's on the money every time. And even yesterday, like you know, and I suppose you know, he's been in the news so much at the moment. Like he he seems to get it right. I'm just wondering, are we going to see him? Did he say back as a manager again? Well, he made it known. He made it known that he is in the market to be a manager. He did also say that, you know, he thought he did a very good job with Sunderland. He tried his best with Ipswich. You know, I suppose the view was he was able to, I suppose, get Sunderland promoted with an average bunch of players. Ipswich were the same. He said, I've never been given or afforded the opportunity to play with really top-class players. And that's really what he was itching at, that... If you're a Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, maybe, maybe Man United, do you know what I mean? That if you had top-class players, how would they react to him? Well, he certainly has an itch to get back at, him right. at, uh, at the top level. How would he be in the current um, United dressing room, Ken? I wonder, like, I know he said a lot of harsh stuff about some of them, like, but he, his philosophy is very much built on hard work and like a, a kind of, a, as you said there, a winning ethic all the time, isn't it? You're talking to a man you die hard here, actually. Yeah, I right. I remember 73 when, when United were relegated. I remember Dennis Law back here in the goal uh, to be relegated. So that's how far back I can go, lads. Okay. And right. it's funny that Mark said about him maturing as a player and maturing as a person. Um, also, I think as a manager, and we're talking about management here, you also mature as a manager. And you see the guy that's coming in there now, into, coming into United, he's 63 years of age. I mean, Roy was born in 71, was he? I think, yes, he turned 50. So, yeah. yeah, he's born in yeah. 71. So, like, Roy is maturing all the time. He's he's smart, right? He's streetwise. He's a winner. But I think that maturity you need as a manager, uh, I think the best 10 years, you, you see the shape he's in, Mark. He's in absolutely outstanding shape. Phenomenal. He's super fit. He's a non-drinker now. He lives, a, a you know, a really uh, good life. So, from that point of view, I think he will mature as a manager as well. And I think he just needs that opportunity. I mean, obviously, Oli got went in there, you know, a, a nice guy. And as Colin O'Rourke is famous, you know, nice guys finished last. You're talking about winning the whole time. Colin O'Rourke's famous saying was nice guys finished last when meat were at their toughest in the in the late 80s, early 90s. So from from that perspective, yeah. Keane would all be always be a winner. And 
like I actually admire their, the loyalty they have. You know, it's a professional game and they're on huge money, but they have savage loyalty to each other as comrades and teammates. And they, they didn't let Solskjaer down. And people said that was blind loyalty. But I feel that you're right, Mark. I think he's a lot to contribute in the managerial field. And it's only wiser and smarter he will get, you know. Mm, yeah. yeah. But, you know, like the funny thing is that, you know, the whole room, I would have to say, was delirious with him. I will say that now. And he was, he had the place captivated for the time that he spoke. Um, like one of the things that Matt Cooper asked him, he asked him about Stephen Kennedy, Stephen Kenny. He said, how do you think your case Stephen Kenny is getting on and what would your sum up with him be? And straight one, I said, I felt as a manager that you'd need to win games to to be to be assessed. So he was just the whole place was breaking down with him, like you know. Um, but like overall, the, the big thing from a Kerry Haskell's point of view to get the likes of Roy Keane in there, Matt Cooper, Eamon Fitzmaurice was there, Mick Galway was there, um, Seamus Minahan was there. You know, TG, unfortunately, you weren't able to make it. No. I had a spot at it. I had a spot at the table. I know, and Ken, I know. If, Ken, I've been fighting alone back to myself here with these you, yeah, Liverpool and sports supporter. <laughs> if I knew you were a diehard man, you, I'd have, I'd have rang you. I could tell you, I would have got you in. Yeah, yeah, I'd have, I'd have jogged. I'd have actually jogged down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go, there you go. Excellent stuff. It's so brilliant. well done to, well done to Kerry Hospice also there. So I suppose moving on, Ken, to the, the magic of yesterday and all things lot more, I suppose, incredible firsts. Incredible to do the double and just everything that's been said and wrote about him over the last maybe number of years, I suppose, since he did the double in 2013 and then last year to lose the two county finals. And they seem to have everybody's goodwill and everybody kind of wanted them to win. I'm not sure what inside tip the feeling would have been, Ken, but certainly I think the general public wanted them to win yesterday. And that was no disrespect to Turles whatsoever. It's just, I suppose, from losing last year. But I suppose what a, a piece of entertainment yesterday and what a way to win the double. Just incredible. Yeah, and like uh, this was achieved before in 2013. And uh, when you think of the Brian McGraths and these fellas, these young whippersnappers, they weren't involved in. Um, as a parish, like it's their lifeblood. It's as simple as that. We cannot over um, estimate what they did yesterday. It was absolutely unbelievable. And uh, the fight... You just have to remember, lads, the ironic thing about it. They lost both county finals last year by a point in heartbreaking circumstances. And uh, Kiladangan, you know, when Lockmore look back at it now, Castellani, with, with, with Kiladangan and also with Clumel Commercials, right? Uh, I think Kiladangan, you know, were due their county final and deserved their day in the sun. No more than Clumel Commercials, who are former Munster Club football champions. So, I mean, from that perspective, lads, you see, you see, you know, the achievement that Lockmore, uh, from their point of view, it's it's unbelievable to think like that that they have they're on the seventeenth Sunday in a row, and they're Banana. hits in football as you well know. And you, know, you in your early twenties, you're able to take those belts, lads. You know yourselves, you hop up and you go back out. But now you reach, you have a team that are a very mature team, but but are into their thirties. A lot of those players and Evan Sweeney. With a huge influence in the game yesterday, changed the game totally. You know, I, I had him as a, as 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 a young fella with tip. Uh, he came in, he was tigerish, he was fighting for the ball, his spirit, he was driving like he's knee high to a grasshopper, lads. Evan, he's thirty late thirties now, is it? But he fired into every tallest man. He hit him with everything he had. He scored points. He just lifted the whole team, and it it, it had a huge effect on on, on the whole uh, outcome of the game. So, I think. You know, to win against Clonmel Commercials, who were top class football team, but come out yesterday and produce the display they did again with a huge amount of wides. Their tally of wides was absolutely huge. I think totaling uh, 20, was it, or almost 20. So, from that perspective, to win in those circumstances, for John Maher to, to fail a fitness test for the county football final and Brian McGrath, yet John Maher came back in yesterday. Uh, took the man of the match award, took the John McGrath perpetual man of the match award <laughs> off John because uh, he was absolutely sensational. And he's really the heartbeat of this team, John Maher. And to epitomize John Maher, lads, he's gone through hell on earth, you know, in different circumstances with, with, with hurling and the injuries he's received. But a tourist player went down with cramp right on time up. And John, he actually, he actually ran back and yeah. caught the player's leg 
and try to, to alleviate the problem. That's the sporting man that John Maher is. And we talk about the McGrath dynasty, you know, absolutely unbelievable. And we, we have to mention Camogie as well. Drum won the Camogie yesterday. And we had McGrath's involved in that. I think there was 17 McGrath's over the, the course of the last uh, seven days. 17 McGrath's have won county medals. What an achievement. But super stuff yesterday, enthralling to the end. But um, hard to believe, you know, even though everybody was thrilled for Lockmore Castellani, people are nearly hoping to go to extra time because it was box office stuff. You know, you wanted it to yeah. go on and go on. It was nearly, it was nearly so heart-wrenching in a sense that when when the final whistle is blown, is this all over? Sure, this was manna from heaven, you know? Yeah, and in fairness, it probably was a slow start and even watching the game in the first half, certainly for me, I thought that a lot more were nearly pucking this away because they missed good few chances in the first half. They definitely, like, they were 9-6 down at half time. They had 12 wides in the first half. But some of those were kind of poor wides by their own standards. You were kind of thinking, was maybe the effect of the 16 or 17 weeks can having a bit of an effect in the first half? And then Turles didn't kick on and didn't put him away. And there was a question mark there. Like, I thought that there was an opportunity there for Turles to kick on when it wasn't working for a lot more. But they hung in there and hung in there. And then the second half, it was just unbelievable stuff from there. And I'm not sure if you got to see it, Mark, on TV, did you? The atmosphere I did, actually, TJ. I, I did. I saw it. Um, again, like you, I thought the first half, it struggled for momentum, right? Um, like, the two halves were totally contrasting halves because it was, it was slow and cumbersome, I would thought, the first half with a lot of wides. But my God, in the second half, it was enthralling stuff. The last 15 minutes in particular, I have to say, once the goal went in for Sarsfields to bring it level or bring it to within a point, the whole game took on a new dynamic. And I'd have to say the referee contributed handsomely to the game because the fellas were flying into everything. And he left it flow. He, he stood back. He left the players at it, which is always a great sign of a referee, that the referee is actually part of the tempo of the game. And he had a huge part to play in it. Um, I must say, Ken, I did see the John... Uh, the John Maher thing at the end of this, and I, I actually waited to see the camera. Because the, the first camera didn't show whether it was a lot more or a Tullus Sales player was actually down the ground the way the camera angle was. But then, as the as the thing rolled on, the medics came in from from Tullus Sales, and you knew it was Tullus Sales. Like so, for a fella to do that with everything on the line, that shows you the quality man that he is. I thought Brian McGrath was outstanding. From the get-go now, from the word go, I thought he was outstanding. Um, he he had a big part to play in the first half now when, ta- when sales were well on top, I thought. And um, I would say this much, the Lockmore goalkeeper, if they got bait, <laughs> I said this much, a size 9, a size 10, a size 11, you'd have been getting in the dressing room on the way home, like, you know. Why he took the short free to you, man, I'll never know. But anyway, they bailed him out. But Jesus does, you know, you talk about goalkeepers, Ken, I don't know. That wasn't in the playlist. <laughs> yeah, and Aidan, Aidan McGrath's a gas man. He was on the football team, obviously. And Aidan, Aidan again, uh, I would have had him at 121. What a top player. But Lockmore had a perennial problem there with goalkeepers. And David Kennedy, at 44 years of age, stepped into the breach last year to help him out. And then Aiden got injured early on. Now, some of the Lockmore lads will tell you he wasn't injured at all, that he just wanted a handy number. But um, <laughs> he, he, he went back into goals. He's a savage pair of hands. He scored a wonderful point in the, in the first game. But um, Aiden just, Aiden obviously is, is his first year. And Aiden, I think, will, whether he likes it or not now, um, it's a parish thing in Lockmore Castellani. So Aiden is going to be in goals for the next 20 years. He's, he's, he's about 30 now, so I'd say he'll be there he's about 50 uh, because it's her duty to, 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 to play on. David Kennedy was there yesterday at 46 years of age. Do you know what I mean? As a, as a sub. So um, the, actual, the actual team photograph afterwards, lads, was actually the parish photograph. See no team photograph afterwards. was actually the parish. was whole parish was there with Noel with the cup. But I think Noel, uh, tactically, they were very smart as well, Lockmore Castellani, to put Noel in full forward and Pawdy. And Pawdy... Obviously, they have grown up together, one minor, 21, senior All-Irons together. But Potty would have huge respect for Noel. It was a big, huge respect there. And Potty wasn't, uh, uh, he was minding the house. He said, he said, I better mind the house here because he knew with Noel that if Noel got in, 
uh, there would be it would be curtains. So from that point of view, I think it's a very smart move. It quelled Paddy's dominance, and Paddy fought to the very end. I mean, the matters were colossus again for for Curtis Sarsfields. Absolutely unbelievable. Paddy McCormick in the goals. What a servant! Made a couple of great saves. Unlucky with the great save and was tapped back into it by Lee McGrath. But I think overall, Lockmore's tenacity, like the, talk about wearing a team down, they just wore Turles Arsfield down for a finish and their hunger to win, their absolute ravenous hunger to win. And you mentioned Kieran McCormick. We had Darius Statham scoring an unbelievable goal in his 18th year for Turles Arsfield. But then you had Kieran McCormick coming on. Uh, uh, a school boy in 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 Templemore CBS or Ladies Templemore, eighteen years of age as well. What a point from him, you know, at at the death to show that calmness under pressure. Shawnee Butler coming in for Torres Sarsfields. A lot of guys would have said Shawnee Butler has got the rough end of the stick in Torres Sarsfields. He made a huge difference for Torres Sarsfields when he came in. Super points, but I think Lockmore, they tact tactically they had everything right, and I suppose that's from. That involvement in football and hurling, the smartness of it all to, to do the right thing at the right time. Yeah, because they seem to be struggling in the first half with Dennis Maher fielding in terms of the ball that he was winning in the air and the Pa Burke beside him. That seemed to be working really well for Torres, but they didn't get any real return off it then as much in the second half. Lot more maybe got the grips of the ball out the field, Ken. But certainly, as you said, ground them down and the work rate and the energy all around the field. And let's talk about this guy in the middle of the field, Mark, this Kieran hmm. Connolly. Was there three of the four midfield of Rod Kittogs, were there? Uh, without a doubt, Mikey Cahill was the only one not. Stephen Cahill, very yeah. good for Torres Arsfields. Uh, Tomas Maher, Mossy is the call him, with a heavy bandage. Yeah. You know, some yeah. of the Lockwoodlers were carrying heavy bandages, but also Conor Stakelin, unfortunately, didn't line out for Torres Arsfields. He was a huge loss to them because Conor Stakelin's a very mobile, athletic, fast player that caused John Maher a few problems in the first in the first game. Yeah. So uh, there was a lot of Kid Oaks playing. Um, it was, and, uh, I, but they were, they were brilliant. Uh. They were brilliant. Everyone. Yeah, and, and, and the other thing I, I thought, Ken, is that some of the striking for points off their left-hand side, which would probably be a weaker side for a Kid Oaks. Most Kid Oaks like striking off the right-hand side. I thought some of the point scoring for the Kid Oaks were brilliant yesterday. Yeah, and Kieran Connie was very ballsy because... He had missed a chance in the first half, TJ. He ran straight to it and made a simple did. point off his right. Missed it. Missed a point in the second half. I could see him shaking his head. I was just above the Lockmore bench. But then he went through in the second half and it, it took it took a lot of courage to go for the point he got. But it actually yeah. lifted the roof off the stand. Um, he was the go-to man. We talk about the John Mahers. But Kieran Connolly, between the lines, between the backs and the forwards, the link-up play. And he's an under-20 All-Ireland. And he's definitely someone that Colin Bonner will be looking at. His mobility, he runs freely, but his involvement in the game is critical. He has that bit of courage, that bit of drive, and that bit of tenacity uh, to work between the 45s. And uh, he played an outstanding part yesterday. Yeah, given the way the middle third has gone in games, he definitely looked like a player from the outside. You'd say, we'll see more of this guy somewhere along the way. A super, super game. And I suppose uh, the other couple of things I was going to touch on, Ken, was Mick Dempsey. Everybody knows Mick Dempsey of Brian Cody and Kilkenny fame, and obviously his involvement there. How key was he, given that Mick is football and, and, and hurling and maybe equal and bringing both those teams to county finals and winning? Must have been crucial. Uh, hugely crucial. And Lockmore are a real traditional family club. Uh, they have never had too many outside trainers. Um it was, a, I'm sure, a big decision on Frankie's part to bring in somebody from the outside to advise them. Um, I did observe on both games when I was in the stand that Mick went up with Maureen Connolly. They went up. Um, remember, they had a female selector as well, a great woman, Eddie Connolly's mother, uh, God rest him. And they were up uh, in the middle of the stand observing what was going on. And I think the biggest asset for... For, for for Lockmore from Mick's point of view, obviously Mick's a born winner anyway from his involvement with KK and uh, Kilkenny and that. But I think to observe from a distance and just speaking to David Kennedy, he told me that that's essentially what he was doing in training because Murtra Brennan, an absolutely fabulous trainer. You have, you have Frankie there, Eamon Sweeney, it, it, you know, great coaches. But I think Mick was brought in as an observer and he'd come in and when he spoke, everybody listened. 
And it was the same with the water breaks, lads. You probably, you might have seen that. Yeah. Because um, he came down, he was a cool head, but he was able to observe. And the moves that were made, I'm just um, thinking about that myself. Um, I think Mick would have had a major role in probably some of those tactical moves. And that that quiet word, that essential word, that new voice, I think brought inspiration to this team. Plus the fact, of course, that he was a dual man himself. His football knowledge is yeah. top class as an inter-county footballer himself. And then his involvement as a hurling coach with, with, with Brian Cody. Yeah, I'd say even the management from week to week, Ken, like with, with John Marr and Brian McGrath the week before, let's say, not starting and just maybe being around the setup and being able to advise there, huge, I would imagine, in, 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 in a successful boat. But, um, and the McGraths, Ken, Michael Dowell's telling me, there's five families of the McGraths, is that correct? Like, I think there's eight this right now. now. Yeah, <laughs> okay. there's, there's, there's five McGraths, you know. Um, I always slag uh, Pat McGrath's sister is catching short, and you know, the shorts they played with Hopper Church drum band, and Michelle played, she's won all Ireland's with Camogie. She's married to James Woodlock. Imagine the pedigree there. Okay, she's married to James <laughs> Woodlock. No, she's won all Ireland Camogie titles. She, 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 she's a first cousin of the McGraths, and they were they won with obviously, obviously with drum, and congratulations to them. But <laughs> the most amazing thing about the, the McGraths is their first cousins brothers sisters or second cousins and then you have ned ryan you heard against ned ryan yourselves uh back he was he played in the 90s just before you came in the scene uh tj and mark and then you have the hennessy's uh joey hennessy was full back his mother is mary mcgrath so there's a huge huge the evistons of course all first cousins so it's not just the mcgrath entourage it's the hennessy's the evistons and i'm probably leaving out the ryan's i'm probably leaving out people here as well into the bargain but um it's a huge cashman area and you know i can't understand i always like david kennedy you know that he actually married a woman outside the parish how did he get away with that so from, from that point of view i've got to think of the champions as well the champions were involved with drum camogie they play with drum hurling team actually outstanding hurlers as well so <laughs> what a what a dynasty of 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 of, of, a, of a family and the mcgraths you know uh people that football goal Aiden, or Brian McGrath to Lee McGrath to Noel McGrath to John McGrath it was absolutely unbelievable <laughs> to, to, see, to see and then the goal is scored so they're they're just a wonderful family and so down to earth you know humble people uh, you know God rest their, their father and mother Mick McGrath you know and, and, and his wife what great people and they just have lived for, for sport lived for the game and I'm sure they're looking down on, on, on the parish today with such happy memories, you know. So, I mean, from from the, from that point of view, they've done their families and their parishes proud. But it, it yeah, it is some dynasty there. Does a does a family tree project for somebody out there in in, in with kind of a link <laughs> to the McGraths that would make interesting reading? But again, like we probably have seen this mark up and down the country. I commented last week about um was it the Mellericks and the Walshers, especially in, in in the final in Cork and just right. just all always a link between maybe a family and a club that's been successful. They're driving it behind, but. Yeah, really, really well done. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just brilliant. Like, and, 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 and certainly when you have a big family like that and they're totally committed to the game, it does spread out then amongst the cousins as well. Like, And then I have no doubt it leads to plenty of rivalry down in the J field when they're training and stuff like that because some of the greatest skills. I got a training work from my own brothers when I was training, like, you know, so <laughs> they'd be learning you up from a long ways out. That's for sure. Push. That's for sure. Torres will, be disapp- Torres will be disappointed as well. Ken, I suppose, just touching them. Like they've had like, obviously a very good year and they've contributed to really memorable games in the TV. And you know, at times, well, maybe not so much yesterday in the second half, but definitely the first day I thought the game was there for him to close out and they didn't do it. So there's a kind of one or two question marks about him, is there? Yeah, but to be fair, yeah, there is question marks, I suppose, in a in a sense. But to be fair, uh, the one that made championship, they got to the county final. Mark Dowling came in. Mark would be actually a very good friend of mine and a very sound Kilkenny man as well. And Mark came in from Dixborough. He brought Liam Feeling with him. And obviously, Brendan Carroll and Eamon Walsh, very astute men. I mean, Torres put some effort into this, you know. Um, Mark brought in a physicality that Torres previously hadn't got. Now, you take the, the great Torres teams, right, of, uh, you know, last six, seven years. And obviously, they waned a bit. They went over the top. And some of they lost some of their, their top players, obviously, Larry and all those lads through through retirement and things like that. But in fairness to Mark, he's come with a new team. 
Uh, yesterday, I suppose, when the stakes were physical, he went with a, a young team. When the stakes were physical and when it came down to brass tacks, uh, just the hunger and the drive of Lockmore Castellani, I don't know, has any club the answer to that? Um, you mentioned TJ. The first half, like, standard-wise, wasn't up to the standard we'd expect for a county final. The second half surpassed everything we expected. So... From Mark's point of view, I would sincerely hope, and I'm sure the players will hope that that he will stay in situ because he's done a tremendous job, a magnificent job. And he also the Darius Stakens of this world, the Shawnee Butlers, um, all the young fellas are coming in, Shosa Bryan's, the young Corbett, and they are coming into a, to a system that they previously weren't used to. So as we stated before in this program, the huge successes Doris Oak have, that will transfer itself eventually into senior superiority again. So... Um, we think of fate, lads. I think I think this was destined for for Lockmore Castellani at the end of the day, and Lockmore yep. will be so disappointed. Or will be disappointed today, but they have to take solace from the fact, well, Lockmore Castellani were in the very same position last year. Yeah, fair enough. And you're right. Sometimes your name is on it. And looking in, in fairness, to Torres they contributed to two brilliant games, great viewing, and you know, great great club. I suppose games that have been kind of on our TV screens over the last number of weeks. Um, we have to talk, TJ, about um, the, the club. The club situation now in football and hurling has surpassed all our expectations, and I'm not exaggerating. They are trying to be an Andy Gray uh, to, to to blow up everything, but I think it has surpassed all our expectations in every county in this country. In the fact that the club scene, the split season, we see the success of it now, and we also see the passion and the rivalries and the love of the game the people have people just want to see games and see matches and you know for tg4 and rt and all the teams you know to promote in the way they've done in the last few weeks and and dalo's podcast and all the rest of the all other podcasts it has brought club hurling and football camogie ladies football to the forefront and i think that is magnificent that at last the club scene is getting some recognition and to be fair ken all around the country to the clubs right especially those clubs in contention They've upped the ante as well. Like the preparation is better, the quality and view is better. And like to me, I think there's huge scope for improvement for the club over the coming years. And the split season now next year will be the first kind of time that we get to see maybe intercounty teams out of the championship in May. Clubs have a huge amount of time to get their house in order. So it has the potential for me to get better. One other point we need to discuss before we move on, and this is an item discussed up and down the country in clubs, in pubs, in houses. And that is the dual player and the dual club. There are plenty of people with ideas, maybe even myself included, I'll be critical here, is to say that it's difficult to play or commit to both in the modern era. And we have plenty kind of maybe intricacies from time to time ourselves, but a lot more are able to do it. Um, is, is, is that Ken down to or Mark down to the same management team or maybe the same group of players? Or is it a better crossover? But they certainly have put the myth up that it can't be done to bed by winning both counties again. I would say that Lockmore are possibly the exception to the rule, uh, TJ. Um, now, they're also backed by the fact that they're a small club and they have a small pool of players, I would say. So I, certainly, I probably grew up in a club that was a hurling-dominated club and slightly anti-football at times, I suppose. Depending on who was the manager of the football team, you might throw in your lot when you were playing with Cork and stuff like that. But there was certainly no encouragement to play football at any... We played junior football when we were out. Oh, we were junior up to 95. But kind of when we went intermediate and senior, the footballs were thrown to the side, I'd have to say. Um, like Certainly, it has been a bone of contention in a lot of clubs in Cork. Uh, Douglas, uh, Balancholy, the Bears, Cantork. Ballon Hasek were in the junior football final and they were in the intermediate hurling semi-final this year. Look, it, it, it's not ideal, I, I would say, TJ. And if you have managements pulling against each other, the players get caught in the middle and that's where the biggest problem is. And there's no doubt if the players are happy and there's no hassle with the players. The player doesn't want to be getting a phone call from the hurling manager or the football manager to do one or the other. The player just want to go out and play. And whether that's hurling or that's football, most ordinary club fellas don't really care. They're playing for the jobs they're playing for the parish. It's the management teams make it awkward, I think, because they want their piece of flesh and they want to be seen to be doing 
the best they can for their team. So um, it's not easy. What Lockmore have done is next to impossible, but they have done the impossible, I would say. If anybody told you, I think, am I right in saying, Ken, is it 18 weeks in a row they've played championship? So, I think 17. We'll have 19. The, the big beauty there, Mark, is that they have the same management team. Um, yeah. It is a small parish with a small community with the same management team. And the beauty of Mick Dempsey coming in, a uh, hurling man, a football man. So, I mean, there is no discrimination there in, in, in any sense. I feel Tom McClinchy there, and you know, Tom, he, he trained, managed Tipperary footballers and managed Waterford footballers. Yep. Um, a huge interest in, in Gaelic games. And he's had this argument with me several times. He feels that it can survive in clubs. In actual fact, St. Rhinus are a senior B club in football. And I would have six or seven lads playing. And Gary O'Connor, who would be Joey's brother, he is the manager there and has done a, a wonderful job with St. Rhinus football. So it can be done with the cooperation of everybody. If you if you want to be an awkward son of a gun, you can be as awkward as you absolutely like. Does it interfere in 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 the absolute perfection of coaching and training teams? It interferes with the apple cart in some way or another. But in actual fact, the amazing part about it is you have happier players when they're allowed to play the codes they love to play, particularly at club level. And um, like we all grew up, lads, watching the Jimmy Barry Murphys, you know, the fantastic players, Connell Keeney of, of, of this era, the guys, you know, they, obviously in Dublin, they have lost out on the Kilkenny's and, and Dermot Connolly's and Conor Callaghan, who we've mentioned this show before. It's, it's an yeah. awful pity, particularly in the city of Dublin, when they can, they can actually facilitate that. So from, from everybody's perspective, I think uh, the dual player should be facilitated. They're human beings. They're players, Mark, as you said. They shouldn't be caught between, they shouldn't be torn between yeah. two lovers. Do you know what I mean? They should be allowed to express themselves on the pitches in both in both codes. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think Ken, like what you said there, with outside managers coming in, influencing players, it, it, it can get tricky and they want their opponent to flesh out. They want the players available to them in two weeks and three weeks out and they want to play their challenge game and like it, it, it is a difficult one, and I suppose there's probably plenty of clubs there where, um, let's say players will play hurling. Let's say in our case, play hurling with Gary Splann, and our guys will play football with Galbally. And there's plenty of those type of scenarios around the country, which cause difficulties. Maybe a crossover in the management teams could help. Um, it might be like in the case of Lockmore, where they have the same management team, that may not be possible. But certainly a crossover would definitely help and make life easier for the players. But it's an argument that's going to rumble on and a lot more is going to keep coming up as the solution. Well, if they can do it, why can't we do it? <laughs> and Schlock Neil, of course. We have to, we have Neil, to, yeah, we have to mention Schlock Neil as well. And there's other, there's other uh, outstanding two clubs. And in actual fact, uh, all around Lockmore, and I, I think it is held Lockmore, Castellani, JK Bracken's drum, Upper Church drum band, Mind Temple Tui, they're all around uh, uh, that, that area there. And they have all have dual have dual clubs now and I think it's it's down to the, the example Lockmore Castellani have set and J.K. Brackens they ran conversions very closely and Lockmore Castellani they're hurling very closely this year so there's a lot of budding dual clubs coming up and I think a happy camp is a winning camp if, if you have a happy camp and players are happy I think uh, every particularly at club level it can be facilitated okay well to all of the non-believers out there including myself from time to time lot more have sorted the argument it can be done um, um ken lot more they get themselves dusted down they've monster club football this week coming so even in terms of celebrations there's not a lot they can do and then in the hurling in two weeks time they go now and play belly gunner um belly gunner had a facile enough win yesterday against the declared champions belly a just didn't fall for belly a on the day for whatever reason Obviously, you have to give him credit for playing without Tony Kelly, but Belly Gunner looked impressive enough now. Ran out easy winners in the finish, Ken. I'm not, not sure if you saw it, but they were coming off, I think, a 10-week break as well. So that was one question going into the game. So a game under a belt now, they'll be tough opposition for Lockmore coming down the track. Tough opposition, I'm sure. Lockmore, because uh, I'm not contemplating that at the moment. They have a football fixture. You see, they love the sport so much. You know, and if you said to any Lockmore player, no, you can't play football next Sunday, they'll be so disappointed. They love their football so much. So they will be only gearing TJ towards a rogue in us next Sunday. That's actually, 
that's actual fact. If you meet any of the lads this week, they'll be just gearing towards the football fixture next Sunday and they'll take one step at a time. Um, I think Bally Gunner, an outstanding team, we know that. I was down there, give, I gave a few courses down in Bally Gunner down through the years. In actual fact, I, I, I correct me, and I, I remain corrected. I actually think I saw a team in Bally Gunner that won under 12 A, B, and C. Their three teams won the A, B, and C competitions in Waterford. That's the depth uh, they have in the playing pool in Bally Gunner. It's an absolutely huge club. So from that perspective, um, it's a big, it's a big uh, obstacle. They, they look so, they look so good, uh, Bally Gunner. On the day, they were absolutely outstanding yesterday. Bally A without Tony Kelly, obviously, you know, and winning their own 20 final. But Bally Gunner, for me, looked a form team going into a, a club championship, uh, TJ. Yeah, and, and RDF was an ace county titles in a row, isn't it? In, in, in Waterford for Bally Gunner, and you said with the underage setup, just a phenomenally strong team as well, right down the middle. Uh, Park Manny back as well now from injury. Look formidable and I'm sure they will have their sights set on, on, on bigger goals down the road. But look, and is Lockmore at home, Ken? Is it, is it in Turles, is it? No, I think it's in Waterford. I think oh, it's in I Waterford, heard, is it? Okay. I, heard, I heard after the match that it's in Walsh Park. Um, so, I mean, you have you have Kilmallock, Din and, and Middleton in the other side. They are yeah. going to be two right good semi-finals, lads. They're both, they're yeah. both, on, the, both on the same day, yeah. And, and, and that's um, two weeks, so December the 12th. And the Midland, the Midland and Kilmallock game has been moved out of Kilmallock TJ to the Gaelic grounds, which I suspect will be an advantage possibly to Midland, I would think, because they probably prefer a bigger team uh, or a bigger field. Plus, you know, if you're playing in Kilmallock, you're going to have a huge local crowd there right on the pitch side, which is, can be intimidating for teams as well. The last time I was there, I saw Sars playing and Sars were very good at the time. But Kilmanach beat him down the stretch and the crowd had a huge part to play with it. So, you know, I, I don't think they'll be whole, but they played each other in a challenge match earlier on this year and they finished the draw. Um, they won't be a whole pile between those two teams. But, it's you know, I, I'm giving Midland a really good chance. I think they have improved TJ from the semi-final to the final. At their first half against the Glen, where they scored 16 points, 14 of them were from play. They were really, really good. Sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. And, um, you know, I, I, I suppose the big thing for Midland will be could their lesser-known players, the likes of the Pear Whites, the Ross O'Regans, will they be able to turn up trumps again the next day? No, I think there's definitely more in Karma Fuzang and Luke Farrell from the final. And obviously, as we know, Conor Lehan was outstanding in the day. But the fact that they've had three weeks from the final to the semi-final, from the, from the county final and Cork to the semi-final in Munster, I think that'll be a big help because... They had they they really had good celebrations then for three or four days and they enjoyed themselves. But I know that Ben O'Connor cracked the whip on Thursday night and said, "Right lads, that's it now. But yeah. take out the hurlers and the again, and they're going to give it a crack. I think they they are going to give it a crack. You know, is the, is the big thing is the, is the message that's coming from there, like yeah. And I think looking yesterday, I think both those games are planned for TG Four, which is great for for, for us to see it. Um, I don't think Kilmallock have any problems with the Gaelic grounds. They have plenty of games played there. And to be fair to them, I think they've been a construction work going on in their pitch at home. And that's why the, the, the game has been moved. But yeah, they, they, they're two Munster Club semi-finals. And Ken, briefly, which I'm sure you'll be fully aware of the happenings, the Leinster Club, uh, there was a couple of games played. And if we go to Saturday night first, um, Clock Ballycala had a very good win over the Wexford champions. Rapparees, impressive. Peaky Mar on fire getting man of the match. RTE again beaming the game into our homes, which is great for all those guys to get their kind of the game and, and and just I suppose just just to feature as kind of a, a top of the range game and RTE is brilliant. But a good win for Clock Valley Colour. Yeah, Clock Valley Colour, fine team. Do you know, an absolutely fine team. The Corbys are there, Mike McAvoy, and of course they have uh, the cute, very cute forwards up front. Willie, Willie, Willie Dunphy, a very cute forward. Steve, Stephen, Stephen Bergen. And of course, Picky, a really smart goal, you know, picked the ball in a quick flick of the wrist. And it wasn't going from that well with the freeze, but what a brilliant goal. And of course, Willie Highland, the evergreen Willie Highland in the middle of the field. I fancied Black Palacolla all along. Um, they beat a very good, my old team, Boris Kilcotton, in the leash final. Um, I think from everybody's point of view, rap, the raps suffered because 
of this situation where they they played their county final. I think it's nearly ten weeks ago. Well, it's ten, it? ten weeks, I think. Yeah, ten weeks and have been playing football since. And in fairness to any team, if you're out of action for ten weeks, it's like starting the season all over again. <laughs> and I think I think it's very unfair to the Raps uh, to be in that situation. But uh, take Clock Balakala, you know, an outstanding team, well managed by Declan Leffen and the lads. I think uh, I fancied them to win it. I've, of course, Kilmacud Croaks had a facile victory over Raharney. I was surprised, actually, Raharney. I thought they would be putting up, a, you know, a bigger display. But Kilmacud Croaks lads have a lot of talent, a lot of talent coming through, and they had a ropey period against Nafina in the in the in obviously in the in the county final. They've gained, I suppose, inspiration from that, and they will figure strongly too in the closing stages of the of of the championship as well. Yeah, and am I right in saying no, Ken, that um, Kilmacud? Will face Clock Ballycolla in the semi final. Isn't that the draw the way it's going that side? Um, yeah, and a huge incentive for both of them because great both, of them both of them will want to play in Croke Park, TJ. Do you know the, the Leinster Club finals in Croke Park in December? I think the Munster clubs are not in, until January, but the, the, the Leinster Club final is in December the 19th. Um, so, huge incentive for both teams to play in the Leinster Club final in Croke Park. Um, Mount Leinster Rangers play Ballyhale Shamrocks next weekend. TJ got married. Uh, this weekend gone. Congrats to TJ and Eve. So, and uh, they play uh, next weekend, and the winners then play us in Tull- in, Tull- in Tullamore uh, on the twelfth of December, so next Sunday week. Okay, so you you you'll have a keen eye on, on Mount Leinster Rangers versus Belly So yeah, so good opportunity. Without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, Mount Leinster Rangers, Kilmalik have played Ramos and Rangers already, and they were hugely impressed by their yeah you know they have their former Leinster club champions lads so. They deserve absolute respect, and it's great, Ken. Like from your point of view, and Ryan is now having a go out out, out into Leinster, opportunity knocking again. As a few guys in a semi final draw, wait, wait, waiting for opposition. But great competition in fairness. Yeah, and you know, Offaly Hurland has been on a downer. Huge progress been made, you know, and uh, you know, Ben Ganini captain them to win the Christie Ring, and I think it's important that we keep Offaly Hurling on the map. You know, for the leash and Offaly teams and and also of course um for even even the dublin situation you've got to keep the sport going and uh, it's in, very important now that we we make um a statement in the linster club and stand up for what we are uh, the champions of offley for the last three years yeah and as well same for mount linster rangers and carlo a great opportunity for them to go and face the might of belly hale belly hale look i suppose and they would be entitled to be favorites at this stage for the All Ireland Club campaign, but again, opportunity knocking for, for, for all these teams. Um, in, in, in other stuff around the country, um, Marco, you finished off your finals on Saturday night in Cork. You had the Premier Intermediate final. We did. We had uh, Castle Lines played Corsi Rovers in a TJ. Castle Lines is the second year in a row getting to the county final, and unfortunately for them, they came up short by one point. But that is not the story of the game. They led from flagpole, really. They led quarter one, quarter two, quarter three. Six points up at half time, leading eight points to one eleven. They got the first two points of the second half to go eight points up, and they must have felt like this is their year that they had one hand in the cup. But in fairness to Corsi Rovers, they hung in there. They got a couple of points back. And next of all, they got a flurry. They got a savage momentum. After the third, the third one, there was still four points down going into the last quarter, but they got five unanswered points and managed to eke out the victory. Now, they had a couple of outstanding players. Fergus Lord, the centre-back, was outstanding, and Shane McCarthy, wing-back beside him, was a tiger. You know what these left-handed fellas that went into every ruck and, and always came out with the ball? Always did. Um, they were outstanding at the back for them. And up front then, uh, Jory O'Neill got five points from play. Uh, I had him actually uh, involved with the development squads at 15 and 16 and 17. Big, strong, rangy player. A Kitog again. Like Aidan Walsh, who got five points last weekend in the county final. Jory got five, three in the first half and two in the second half. Um, but a major change happened in, this, in the second half. Sean Toomey was full forward and he would probably be their, their kind of go-to guy. He's been involved with a cock under 20s. He's he played Cork League last year. Got a few injuries, dislocated his shoulder last year, but he's back now fully fit. He was full forward for most of the game. 
but he was being marked by Cullen Barry, who played fullback for him at His three county senior medals played, and he didn't give him a sniff all day. He went out wing forward and he picked up a couple of balls, but crucially, they got a goal as well um, in the second half. And it was a long puck out that came, fell to Sean, who caught the ball, went through about four fellas and offloaded to uh, the half back, would you believe it, all in Crowley. So that'll tell you, we'd say, uh, of course, he's going to have to throw in the caution to the wind that the wing back was up there on the end of a ball, put the ball in the back of the net. And the momentum they got was ferocious. So they finished it out. Um, 119 to 118, TJ. Castellines were crestfallen. I will say this now. Kian McGann, who's the son of Kian McGann, the, the, the superintendent in Cork, and uh, our former superintendent, you'll probably see him in the security around uh, Tullus and places like that. And John Crowley from Sass was a very successful coach. He was, they were involved in the Castellines side. Sean Goheen, who would have been playing and would have been involved with, with Cork as well. And, um, he was in charge of, of course, your overs. Was also presented the week previous as being a member of the Napierschick team that won the county 25 years ago in 1996. So, Sean saw plenty of action in Parky Queeve uh, this weekend, and there was a couple of disputed sideline balls. And um, but it was um, it was fierce, exciting, and I would say, and if you were a course your overs fan, to come from eight points down and nip it by a point at the death. Now, Castellines had three chances to put the ball over the bar. Colm Spillane played up front. Castellines lost him in the first minute of the county final last year to a broken finger. He played this year, but he was out of sorts. He hasn't played with a pile of hurling. Niall O'Leary, Cork cornerback, played in the forward line for Castellines. Got one puck of the ball in the whole game. Got a goal. And uh, Anthony Spillane up front as well. They were, they were, the, they were the main players. So, look, it's it, it was it was it was a great final and great to be live streamed as well. And unfortunately Castellines came up short, but brilliant, brilliant resolve from Corsi Rovers to get over the line. Yeah. Um Ken, I see you have to you, you gotta go there. First of all, thank you very much and the best of luck in the in the Leinster Club. We'll be we'll be keeping an eye out for you. So and uh, thanks for bringing us all things tip today and kind of the magic of lot more. Hey well, that's great chat, Nee. Well on Ken. Okay, see you later. Bye, Ken. Yeah, um, Marco, just myself and yourself to carry the can for Dalo again there for, 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 for the last few minutes. Um, so, of course, he's going, obviously, a killer for Castle Lions to lose two finals, to try and get up senior and to, and to lose it again. And you said in the way they lost it, so diff difficult. But look, as you said there, you spoke about other teams coming back. I mean, nothing better to do than only knock like, it down and have like another call after. The thing, the thing about this, TJ, is that both teams were senior a number of years ago and both were relegated. And now courses have come back up to the senior ranks again, which, you know, I'd always feel if you're relegated, there's no argument, you know, and, and I think any of the two teams involved, they'll know that their standards had slipped during that period of time before they were relegated. So they found their feet again in intermediate level. It's called Premier Intermediate now. And they will go forward now into the Munster campaign. And it's brilliant for the locality, of course, you're always, Bellinspittal is there is the village and the, the townland down there. You might have heard of the moving statues years and years ago, TJ. I went down to see him. I'm sure on, on Sunday morning, there was a few moving statues around the place as well. And they might have had jerseys on them from the night before. But um, Excellent. I think I the Munster campaign is, yeah. is fantastic for a club like that now. Yeah, and in that Munster campaign, Kilmiley from Kerry had a great win the weekend. They beat the tip champions. Um, that was a ferocious victory for them now, like, you know. Yeah, great, Brilliant. great for them. So the, the Kerry senior champions play in, in, in intermediate. So yeah, again, like we speak about the Munger they play TJ, are they the intermediate champions yeah, in them? Munger were good champions in Limerick, yeah, and a fine side and, and, and a very young team and a, a, a team going places as well. So yeah, interesting championship coming for a couple of those. Um couple of other things, Marco, before we before we wrap it up. I see the intercounty. Oh, you've got you've you've got help today, have you? <laughs> I have help for there, young Jimmy. <laughs> the intercounty. Just home, um, from, just home from preschool. Oh, very good. The first round of the championships have been fixed for the weekend of the 16th, 17th of April. So we'll be coming down, Limerick coming down to Cork, and we've got Dublin Leash, Wexford Galway, Westmeath, Kenny, Waterford Tip on that weekend. So early championship. We spoke about that already. 
Uh, yeah. The flip side of it is there's going to be teams out of the championship in early May, which will be unique. And that's why we always oh, talk yeah. about 2022. A couple of other things for myself personally, I suppose, just want to send condolences to Ned Ray's family. I happened to be at the funeral. Ned, obviously, iconic with Limerick in, in 73, passed away last week. That's that's where I was, basically, on, on, on Thursday. So, um, a listener of the podcast, believe it or not. So, our, our condolences from here to, 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 to right, okay. and, and the blessing of Ned. And yeah, so the other thing, I, I met him a couple say, of years ago, TJ. Yeah, gentleman, yeah. big man. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, he had he a pub up the, Was it the nine? Is it the yeah, 19th? Yeah, Street, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I went in there with Shawnee Crowley for a couple of points. Shawnee Crowley would have been involved with development squads in Dublin for four or five years while he was there. And he says to me, Can we in here? He said, We could for one point here with Ned. And Ned was there and met him. He was an absolute gentleman. I'd never yeah. met him before, but you know, just a fantastic guy, I must say. And really, really stuck a card with me when I met yeah, him. Yeah, I always had a positive word. And in fairness, like from what I've heard over the last number of maybe the last number of days, it certainly is an awful lot of Limerick people he helped down through the years, people trying to get on their feet in Dublin through the 80s and 90s. So, yeah, so condolences to, to, to Ned's family there. The last couple of things on, on the race in front. Uh, Mark, I, I got to see most of the races yesterday. I saw a few of them rewind. Honeysuckle and Rachel off the charts. They're unbelievable, isn't she? Yeah, eleven to eight is four to seven out to win the champion hurdle again. Like she's um, and Henry said that she had on a little bit forward this year because she nearly got turned over last year and he was going to make the same mistake again. So she was very impressive, and obviously we had a little bit of a vested interest on Saturday ourselves with uh, Man Morale running in the fighting fifth. Glad. To hear Paul Nichols declare that the horse got a cut in his leg early in the race on Saturday. So, for me and my couple of associates that are involved with the half sister, that will have a batter on cold foal going to the sales in tats in January. For any punter out there who wants a cold foal from a half sister, Taman Morel, she's down here in Interquin Stud, and we'll see in tats in a couple of weeks' time for her. Yeah, and, and, and the other horse that we're following on the pod, I suppose, closely since last year, since uh, Marco was at the sale, John Bond, and his first outing there of the season on Friday. Impressive enough, you'd have to say, Marco. So, uh, JP. No favour for, for the juvenile hurdling champ in Cheltenham, am I right in saying that? First race on the Tuesday, so one to follow as well in John Bond. Um, one county final left, Marco. That's the Galway county final next Sunday. I will be planning to visit Salt Hill. I'd imagine that you'd want the hat and the gloves uh, next Sunday in, in Salt Hill. St. Thomas is taking on Karen Bridge. Thomas is going for four in a row. Uh, Kenneth Burke, in fairness, him has, has, has stepped into the, the managerial role there and doing an excellent job. Guy's playing very well. So a good final to look forward to there. Could, I think, could, I think there, be, could, there, could there potentially be a visit to Mortis on Saturday night and continue on up to, to Salt uh, Hill on Sunday? I don't know. We, 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 we may need to place a call with him there. Uh, during the week to see how he's going. He has been uh, in contact and what's happened. So all, all is good. And Delo, the message from me certainly is we need you back. <laughs> see you guys. Just remember that, man. There's a small bit of a needle there. Oh, come on. Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Our mission was to show oh. that we're no longer the whipping boys of Munster. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 